1: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. It's a game day edition of the HHC Hornets and Utah Jazz coming up tonight. You can hear the game on WFNZ or, of course, watch it on Fox Sports Southeast. to help get you ready for that one as well as talk about Gordon Hayward and the kind of season he has put forth and some of the spotlight that's been shown on him by the national media. I've got my producer Rob Longo with us once again here on the Hornets Hivecast. Rob, how you doing?
0: Living the dream every day, all day, every day.
1: Rob, the Hornets with a record of 10 and 12 coming into tonight. They currently occupy a playoff position. They've played some very solid basketball over the last week and a half, and a lot of it has to do with the play of the big free agent acquisition, Gordon Hayward. He's had some very strong games for Charlotte over the course of his first 22, and it's starting to get some attention. As Sports Illustrated had the random midseason awards or early season awards, not like MVP, like, hey, we're going to make up this one. So one they gave out here was the player who is the most impactful free agent signing, and they gave it to Gordon Hayward, and I thought that was an impactful sign from a national media standpoint, because so many outside of the Queen City were negative on the signing, looking at the size of the contract, the length of the contract and trying to find reasons why it was not a good decision. I have always been very positive on it. I think you have picked up Gordon Hayward still in his prime when he can have a direct impact. And along the way, he's going to be able to boost the play of young guys like Miles Bridges and PJ Washington and most notably LaMelo Ball, make everyone better for a future that's going to include an all-star caliber player moving forward for the Queen City. So I've always been very positive on it. I thought it was great that Sports Illustrated noted him as the most impactful free agent signing Just so you know, it was not just him that was listed. The other players that they looked at as potentials, Jeremy Grant, who has had a very good season for Detroit. He's put himself in the all-star conversation, albeit for a team that's been losing. And then Christian Wood, who at one point was in the Charlotte organization, ended up bouncing around a little bit until he found a home. Houston's gone through an awful lot this season. But Christian Wood has been a very positive note, even out playing and starting over DeMarcus Cousins. But... That's neither here nor there. The point of this is Gordon Hayward getting a lot of love, and
0: I love that. You mentioned how a lot of people in the national media criticized Hayward's signing, and there were even people in Charlotte that were like, why are we giving this guy a max deal? A lot of injuries. He hasn't been the same since he left Utah. But keep in mind, too, before Utah matched his deal when he was a free agent the first time around, he visited Charlotte. He really loved it here. He looked at houses when he was here with his family. He really loved the area. So it was just kind of always that natural fit that he might have come back to. And now that he's healthy, he's playing like he used to in Utah. It's been kind of almost a match made in heaven. Before I got this job, I was living in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, about an hour north, and I came to a Hornets game last year, but when they signed Hayward and they drafted LaMelo Ball, as a fan, I said, oh, wow, the Hornets are going to be decent this year. I want to go to a couple games if they're going to let some fans in. Now, unfortunately, we haven't been able to get to that point so far, but I kind of caught the buzz a little bit. One of the stats
1: that really stands out to me, and just about how direct an impact Gordon Hayward's had, a single player is never going to win any game on his own, but there's somewhere you're more likely to see him Put the team on his back than others and one step that really stands out to me is when Gordon Hayward has a plus in the plus minus column the team is 7-0 when he is a plus in the plus minus column now granted he's playing a lot of minutes sometimes with different combinations the team has had some notoriously slow starts at times so there have been games where he's personally had a huge day scored you know 28 34 some gargantuan number of points and yet the team was still a minus with him on the floor I think that's just a tremendous sign there's not a lot of players I think you can say that about in the NBA
0: no and even going back to Wednesday he started off shooting slow I think he started off Wednesday's game against Philly 1-6 1-7 from the floor nobody was shooting the ball particularly well in the first quarter on Wednesday but he finishes with 22 points tied with the mellow ball he was an assist shy of a double double and he also picked up six rebounds pretty close to a triple double in that aspect and it just goes to show how nice it is to have that veteran presence where yeah i went nine and 19 from the floor i still chipped in 22 points but i'm not incandescent from the floor shooting the ball tonight i need to get my teammates involved whether it's a drive and a kick maybe a pump fake and then a kick maybe I start getting hot, and then all of a sudden I'm getting keyed on defensively, so then that's going to free somebody else on a double team or something like that. He just has that presence of mind to know that no matter what is going on, if he's getting shut down like he did in the Indiana game a couple of days ago, then he's going to be able to contribute in other ways.
1: Actually, I'm glad you brought up last game because I misspoke. That was the first game where he was a plus in the plus-minus column that the team didn't win, and even then... He led him to this epic comeback from down 26 points. So seven and one, no shame in you know one loss when you're a plus and the plus minus. But I think it does show what kind of player and impact he has. And the overall standpoint of this is this is a team that plays phenomenal team basketball, shares it at a level no one else in the NBA is even coming close to. And Gordon Hayward and the style of basketball he brings to the floor is a big part of the reason why. He he is not a ball-stopping superstar. I heard a, a couple of podcasts where people were talking about, you know, why folks like playing with LaMelo Ball. The person said it's because he passes. And the person he was talking to said, well, wait a minute. James Harden has like 11 assists a game. And I was like, I didn't say he has assists. I said he passes. And LaMelo passes. And Gordon Hayward passes. So I think it's a mindset with this team, a style of offense that is both very entertaining from a fan standpoint And
0: very effective. And it's really impressive when you think about it, too, because the style that these guys like to play, like Lamella, like Gordon, they like to get out and run in transition. And when you run out in transition like that, a lot of times you don't get a lot of assists. So it's remarkable that they're able to run the floor together, have that synergy, and then be able to kind of create those three-on-two, two-on-ones, three-on-ones, whatever they may be where they pass the ball so quickly they end up picking those assists up just because they move the ball so well. And some could argue that in the first quarter of Wednesday's game against Philadelphia, they maybe shared the ball a little bit too much because there were a couple of shot clock violations in there.
1: My final point on how well the Hornets are playing with the addition of Gordon Hayward, and my agreement with Sports Illustrated on the most impactful free agent has been Gordon Hayward to the Hornets, I think that while the the win loss column is the most important one, the standings cuz that's the only one that counts, I think the point differential column really speaks to how well teams are playing. I think you know there's some situations like for instance right now Cleveland is also in a playoff position, but they are bottom 3 in the Eastern Conference in point differential, which says to me at some point the averages are going to start to work out and they're going to start to drop in the standings. That's just what's going to happen. Similarly, Toronto They are currently further back in the standings. They are a net positive in the plus-minus, which says to me, at some point, they are going to continue to climb. They're going to get into a playoff position. And most people look at Toronto and say, that's a pretty darn good basketball team, that should happen. And most experts look at Cleveland and say, you know what? I don't know if they're there yet. And so the numbers kind of dictate that at some point, that will kick in. When you look at the Hornets, they are number 8 in plus-minus differential in the Eastern Conference, which is to say they're a playoff team right now. So they're playing like one, their record reflects how they're playing, and Gordon Hayward is one of the most impactful people on that record. To try and improve it tonight, Hornets have to deal with the Utah Jazz. We're going to talk about that matchup, a little bit about what's going on with this squad from Salt Lake City It's had quite the year, and we'll get into that in the next segment. First though, I want to invite you all to download the Hornets app onto your mobile device for access to all new features and exclusive content. You don't want to miss the new game day experiences for every game this season, giving you information and digital activations available only through the Hornets app. Game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. And Rob is, in case you haven't heard him before, he's been on the Hivecast a couple of times now. He is our new producer here on the Hornets radio network. And as such, sometimes he is invited to produce a show, so we're going to let him have his maiden production voyage here. He will be producing the next segment. You can lead us in any direction you want. Have at it, Rob. So
0: this is my moment in the sun. This is it.
1: This is the trial balloon.
0: So as we go through the week, we always try to bounce ideas off of each other for segments in the podcast, trying to keep everybody informed. So when I was looking at doing some research on the jazz as we get ready for our preview segment following this one, I got back and I was thinking a little bit and I hopped on The Athletic today and there was a story by Sam Amick who wrote about Rudy Gobert and his relationship with Donovan Mitchell, which has been strained in the past and it made me kind of think, we'll consider this the six degrees of Kevin Bacon in a sense. We'll we'll start with the Jazz and we'll finish with the Hornets at this point, but just follow along with me and entertain me at this point. At any rate, it got me to thinking, it's hard to believe it's been almost 11 months to the day roughly a couple give or take a couple days where everything kind of just shut down in the NBA world and well for the real world in that aspect too but keep in mind that last year the Jazz were kind of starting to falter a little bit down the stretch before they went into the bubble and if you recall back when the covid-19 situation was very new to everybody rudy gobert kind of joked about it and he was sitting there at the press table and he started touching all the microphones and everybody kind of had a little bit of a chuckle about it but then he ended up testing positive in oklahoma city and interestingly enough a couple of days prior to that Utah's organization got into a, a little bit of a boardroom and said, what do we do if one of our players tests positive? Well, sure enough, they kind of foreshadowed themselves and that happened when Gobert tested positive, he also infected Donovan Mitchell. and there was a big strain on that. And those are your two big superstars in Utah. I'm not going to call them, you know John Stockton and Carl Malone. They're not quite to that level, but you always want to have a pretty good tandem and they're a pretty darn good tandem. So that relationship was a little bit strained going into the bubble last year. Interestingly enough, a couple days ago in the Charlotte Observer, Rick Bonell, who is a fan of the podcast, we've had him on a couple of times, wrote a story about how the Charlotte Hornets and how they communicate the past couple of weeks and over the course of this season how it's changed from last year. So in a sense, you always want to have good synergy with your teammates, obviously, but it just got me thinking about how... We've conned in such a crazy world the past 10 and a half, 11 months that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were able to bury the hatchet. They played pretty well in the bubble once it got to that point in Orlando. Obviously didn't result in a championship, but that team is young and they went pretty far. And it got me to thinking, what can we draw away from such a bad situation with COVID-19 that the Hornets are able to communicate a little bit better on the floor and use that to kind of propel the team from there.
1: It's a fair point. I mean, I like the saying necessity is the mother of invention, and we've had a lot of necessity to deal with. I mean, there's a lot of new products, new ways of doing things across all walks of life, whether it's education or interfacing with your work. A lot has changed in a year. We were talking before we started recording this podcast about you know where we were when things started to shut down. I was doing a college basketball game fanless and thinking, well, we're just going to do games without fans. It's not going to impact my work as a play-by-play broadcaster because if anything, I'm going to get busier because more colleges that might otherwise have not broadcast games would have to throughout the spring and summer. I was supposed to go off and do the high school state championships back in California. The next day, got a call. Don't get on the plane, this isn't going to happen. This is more dangerous, more serious. And Rudy Gobert, Testing positive was the real sign. So, you know, yeah, I think when you look at this Hornets team, it's astounding how well they play this specific style of basketball that is so tied into sharing the ball and not individual one-on-one play. You really have to have good timing. And you consider two of at least the three biggest ball handlers on the team are new to the organization. And didn't have a full training camp to play. It's not like Gordon Hayward has this long-running relationship. I mean, Terry Rozier is probably the only one he really did have much of a relationship with before because they played in Boston. But otherwise, no one's used to playing with him. He's not used to playing with anyone else. They've had to grow this organically, essentially just while playing, because you weren't allowed a whole lot of extra contact. And LaMelo Ball, he didn't know what team he was going to play for three (laughs) months ago. And now here he is. He's one of the top 20 assist players in the NBA. So it's very impressive what the Hornets have been able to do, and I agree with the mindset that they have been able to have this level of communication on and off the floor to protect themselves, both from a record standpoint, they played very well, and from a virus standpoint, I think the Hornets need to be applauded. I don't blame anyone for getting the virus unless it's quite clear you are being too cavalier with your choices. There's some players and some people in general that you can... like are we going to go there i mean well i'm not going to say any names but again like okay. you, you there are, there are certain people and certain players who it's quite obvious that they are not taking into account what's glo- going on globally the hornets and so again i don't blame anyone for getting cuz it's a very contagious disease it has claimed way too much of our lives and people's lives to say that you know anyone is totally able to keep themselves away from it it's just not possible but i think teams should be applauded when they find ways to protect themselves and have the results that they have. So I applaud the Hornets. It's astounding what the Hornets have been able to accomplish with the lack of communication time we have normally had.
0: It should be applauded. And obviously, I don't know the answer to this. You don't know the answer to this, but I want to get your thoughts. I wonder how much of that change in communication from last year to this year, because in that article that Rick Bonnell wrote, James Borrego said, I have never been around a young team that communicates so well. So I wonder if that is a societal effect from when we've had to go remote and find different ways to communicate and interact with each other as humans, or if that's just something that changed over the course of this year, or maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know what it is. I would be curious to see what Borrego and some of the players would consider, but I just think that's an interesting aspect of things because chemistry is everything in the game of basketball.
1: I haven't asked anyone this, but just brainstorming here, it could also be just the thought that for a long time, basketball was taken away from these guys. Yeah, they They did not have a venue in which to play. And obviously the assumption always was things would go back to normal eventually. But this is probably the longest amount of time any of them went in their lives without having an organized game in which to play. So having it brought back to you, all of a sudden, you know, Maybe how many shots I'm getting or what my contract situation is or what's going to happen tomorrow. That kind of goes out the window, and it's like, we get to play basketball again? This That's is yeah. awesome. Let's figure out how to get the lob going again, guys. <laughs> so it's, You know, Airbnb, let's get it going here. It's an interesting thought. Hornets are going to try and put all their great communication to work tonight against the Utah Jazz. Going to have a preview of this Jazz squad in just a moment. We want to invite you to tune into the game. You can watch it live on Fox Sports Southeast as well as the Fox Sports Go app. Or, of course, you can listen to it on our flagship station, WFNZ, the Hornets Radio Network, and the Hornets mobile app. Mm -hmm. Segment three of the Hornets Hivecast, a game day edition, so it's time to break down tonight's opponent. Hornets taking on the Utah Jazz, who are on night two of a back-to-back. They played Atlanta last night. It's a pretty hot team, Rob. At one point, they had won 11 consecutive games, moving from a 500 record to first place at the time in the Western Conference. It's a talented team. It's a deep team. You look at their you know, starting group, as well as the guys that they have off the bench. This is as good a roster as you're going to find. Donovan Mitchell really leads the way at 23 points per game. He is their all-star. Rudy Gobert, their defensive stopper. Kind of a traditional big man in an era that has gone away from that position but he is such a great rim stopper defensively, and 13 points, 13 rebounds, it speaks for itself. I think there's a little bit more meat left on the bone from an offensive standpoint, but they honestly don't need it because what he brings to the table defensively is so impressive. Mike Conley has been one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA for a long time. Yesterday we were talking All-Stars and how there's just not enough spots to get everyone who's deserving of an All-Star nod onto the team, and for years Mike Conley was toiling in Memphis, and if people weren't complaining about the fact that why doesn't Dame Lillard ever get on an All-Star team, that conversation would have been happening for Mike Conley, and it's probably going to continue now, because numbers-wise, 16 points, 6 assists, it's pretty good. It's really good, actually, but is it enough to bump one of the other point guards off the Western Conference All-Star team? Arguably not. They are, at one point, again, the number one team in the Western Conference, so if that continues, it makes it more of a lean to them, but statistically speaking it's tough and then oh by the way you throw in Jordan Clarkson who one point when he was drafted by the Lakers people were like oh here's this gem of a find that the Lakers have discovered and he's migrated around the NBA a little bit but he's found a poem as the sixth man for Utah averaging 17 points per game so needless to say this is a good team Hornets are going to take on tonight Rob your thoughts on this matchup
0: it's a deep team too and there's some similarities between the Jazz and the Hornets I mean You look at the Jazz very deep at the guard spot. You mentioned Jordan Clarkson. He comes off the bench and he plays 25 minutes a game. He's going to give you that energy coming off the bench. And Donovan Mitchell and the two, he missed a couple of games earlier in the season, but that doesn't matter. He's still averaging 23 points a game. You look up and down the lineup, Clarkson comes off the bench and averages 17 a game. And then almost every other starter is averaging double figures for the Jazz. So it's another high-scoring offense at the... Hornets are going to have to worry about defensively, but we always hear what JB has to say. He always wants to pride himself on defense and not turning the ball over. Matchup-wise, it's obviously going to be tough because who's going to guard Donovan Mitchell? You have a couple of different options. Maybe you try to stick LaMelo Ball on him if he's starting because he's got a little bit of length. He can maybe kind of guard the drive a little bit better, but... It's going to be tough. This team won 11 games for a reason. Yeah,
1: won 11 in a row for sure. The depth of this team, we don't know the status as of the taping of this, of Terry Rozier or P.J. Washington. We're not going to speculate on it, but I'll just say this. I thought the biggest effect of those two not playing against Philadelphia in the last game wasn't so much on the starting lineup, even though clearly the slow start out of the gates in the first quarter, it had an across-the-board effect. But I thought it was more felt with the second unit than the first not even from a talent standpoint from a size standpoint you lost a lot you went from playing cody zeller and pj washington as your five and four and then rotating one of them out and someone else back in throughout the game to okay cody zeller needs to take a break and we're going to have Miles Bridges plays center against Dwight Howard. It's a very difficult matchup for anyone on the team. I think the second unit really felt the brunt of the lack of depth in the previous game, and going into this one, the hope certainly has to be one or both of those players is available. We don't know at this point in the taping. Again, we're not going to speculate, but I'd imagine, again, the second unit is where this would be felt more than the first. The good news there is at least Utah doesn't have a Dwight Howard sitting on the bench, at least none that I know of, that they can go ahead and throw at you, someone who's top 15 in the history of the game in rebounds and blocks, to go ahead and eat up a lot of stats. They do have a good center in Derek Favors, who's been in the league for a long time at the backup spot, and Joe Ingles is a very experienced player, a double-digit score, but overall not quite the Size and length and height of Philadelphia.
0: No, I don't think you're going to find a better one-two punch in the center spot and Joel Embiid and Dwight Howard. I don't know what else to say. It's just it's just going to be so difficult with this team being tops in the West. I mentioned it, eleven-game winning streak. It was snapped by Denver. Denver's number two in the conference too, so it's not like they lost to some scrub team. They lost to the Nuggets with Jokic, I think, that night scored like 52 points or something crazy like that. It's all going to come down to matchups. The P.J. injury hurts just so much. He was playing so well at that stretch five, I thought, that he was able to kind of rotate some people in between the three and the four. Gordon got in foul trouble or if he had to go to the bench to get a little bit of a break. You had some flexibility there, and without P.J., you kind of lose that. And obviously, with Terry Rozier being out too, That was another piece that could have got rotated in that three to four spot as well with Terry. So two really pivotal injuries in a spot that the Hornets don't have a ton of depth in. And that's where it hurts.
1: You know, as people start to come back, they start to find maybe just more consistent scoring off the bench across the board. Yeah, I thought Malik Monk played well, had spurts against philadelphia 13 points that's nothing to poo poo not 36 that he had for his career high but i mean that's just not going to happen every night but he did a good job out there jordan clarkson you know you got to find a way to counteract the consistent production he's put forth by the way jordan clarkson when he was drafted mitch kupchak drafted him no way well, I mean, actually, technically, the Wizards drafted him and then traded him to the Lakers. Yeah, but all we, that stuff. You know, but at the time, Mitch Kupchuk was running the Lakers. So, obviously, there's an affinity for that player going back. than the Hornets brass as well. Hornets versus the Utah Jazz tonight should be an interesting one. One other note here on Utah, as good as they've been across the board for a lot of teams, they have not had as much success when they go to the other coast, whether it, you know, having to start games much earlier on your body clock or for teams from the east going west where you're starting much later in the evening. You look at the Utah Jazz and where they've picked up their losses, there's not a whole lot to point out, but at Brooklyn, at New York, you know, Brooklyn's a very, very good team. At the time, they did not have James Harden on the roster, so it was a very different looking Brooklyn team that they lost to. And the Knicks are the Knicks. You know, record-wise at this point, they're middle of the pack, you know, within striking range of a playoff spot. But compared to a team that has only lost a handful of times, you would think that would be advantage Utah. I'm not saying this to downplay the result of that game. I'm just merely pointing out when you look for a trend line in Utah's losses, them coming east happens to be one that you can point at for the few losses they do have.
0: Now that you mention it, I mean, they only scored 96 points against Brooklyn, and they scored 100 against the Knicks.
1: And then they scored 131 the next day against Milwaukee.
0: So but, it was, <laughs> yeah, they had an off day. They, it was a back-to-back between Brooklyn and New York, and then they had an off day, and then they went to Milwaukee and said, all right, here we go, Donovan Mitchell goes off for 34 points. Maybe, that, 14. maybe
1: that's it. Maybe it's back-to-back, back-to-back games in the east. on the East Coast, which, where did they play last night? Atlanta. There you go. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. So, more hope for Hornets fans, not that you needed any extra encouragement, but it's always interesting to find those little nuggets. Like a week ago, I was telling JB how like the Hornets were unbeaten against Milwaukee when it was night 2 of a back-to-back played in Spectrum Center and it was within 72 hours of the full moon.
0: And You're going to hang that nugget on your wall. It yeah. was correct. They won. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that's a great nugget. It might go in the Hall of Fame. It was a very good nugget.
1: Anyhow, we'll see what we can come up with for our Chick-fil-A nugget of the game and all of our other notes, quotes, and anecdotes that we'll have for you just a couple hours from now when we kick off our pregame coverage on WFNZ. And make sure you tune into the game either on WFNZ or Fox Sports Southeast or both. Get both calls. I love Eric Collins' calls. I I watch back almost every game as quickly as I can, and I'm always envious of what he brings out. He's just a spectacular broadcaster. So watch both. Take in both calls. It's a lot of fun.
0: Alternate quarters. There
1: you go. The Hornets certainly have provided a lot of entertainment for the team and its fan base this year, and hopefully they'll have another performance of that ilk tonight. Hornets and the Utah Jazz. Tip time is set for 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 on WFNZ. That's going to do it for another edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Invite you to join us tomorrow. We'll be breaking down this game against Utah. Till then, for Rob Longo and everyone with the Hornets, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us once again on the Hornets Hivecast.